Welcome to Bonsai Podcast. I'm Karina, your host today. My guest is Wayne Butterfield. Wayne is a global lead for intelligent automation solutions. Today, we are going to discuss an interesting topic, redefining work with IDP, which is Intelligent Document Processing, and RPA, which is Robotic Process Automation. Wayne, before we start, I'd like to know a bit more about you, your experience, your path to intelligent automation, your hobbies. I like the point that written in your LinkedIn profile, which is uh, enabling the future of work through uh, technologies and education. Most of us seek uh, fulfillment at work. Why did you choose your mission to enable the future of work and how does it, it fulfill you? Um, so hi, thank you for having me. Uh, so many questions there. Let me let me start with uh, with a little bit about who I am. Um, so um, I'm Wayne Woodsfield. I work for a company called ISG. Uh, my past, um, where I got into the world of intelligent document processing, RPA, and intelligent automation wider, was was actually quite early on in my career. Um, I worked at a company called O2, uh, which is part of the Telefonica Group and British Telecom, uh, both in the UK, although I do now live in, uh, in Dallas, Texas. And um, I, I started working very early on uh, in my career. I started off in the contact center. I moved into various different roles um, and I ended up running our back office operations, which were 400, 500 people uh, in a low cost location uh, that were doing very transactional work and um, I process improved that department to uh, within a whisker of what was possible. Um, and, but my business still wanted an additional pound of flesh. They still wanted this work to be more efficient. Um, and the only way of making it more efficient was for people not to necessarily be as involved as what they were. And I stumbled across a technology called RPA. Um, and uh, that was about a decade ago, uh, about 12 years ago, actually, it was 2010. Um, and, uh, and that was what really got me interested in the use of technology to change the way that we work. Um, initially, it was about replacing people. Um, more recently, it's about augmenting them. Uh, and one of, the, one of the things that I um, am very uh, interested in is how do we create uh, cyborgs within uh, within our business. Uh, now we're not literally implanting technology within people, but getting them to work so closely with technology that they amplify their ability to do uh, to do work, to do good quality work, um, and uh, and that's all enabled in the main by artificial intelligence, by intelligent automation, and obviously by uh, people's willingness to work in different ways. And it's all of those things combined, which for me is where the future of work is maneuvering. Um, and um, hobby-wise, uh, so I live in Dallas, Texas now. Um, I'm a soccer um, is, is my game. I would say football, but um, now living in America, that means American football, and that's definitely not my hobby. So it's soccer. Uh, running. Uh, I have two kids who keep me incredibly busy. Um, uh, thankfully, they're at school now, so they're not interrupting and popping up on screen behind me. Um, and yeah, just work. I mean, I'm, I'm a workaholic. I absolutely love um, changing the way that the world will work. Um, and so as much as it is my job, it is also uh, one of my hobbies as well. 
Workaholic. Oh, it's interesting addiction for the person who are enabling automation for the companies. So when you will enable all processes automated, then you will be less workaholic, I suppose. Yeah, I'll probably get my be on my PlayStation Five playing uh, FIFA. Uh, once once I've automated the world of work, I am then going to go back to gaming and just uh, I think become a couch potato. So uh, long, long. Um, May my work continue, otherwise my wife will get very annoyed with me if all I do is play games. Interesting. And now we come directly to our first topic. So what will happen when all the solution will be automated, if it's possible? And um, I would like to start from discussion of state of RPA and IDP solutions in 2030. So in your opinion, how would our work place looks like in upcoming eight years it's almost seven years so what will change if we will reduce all the monkey job and boost the productivity of people who are working right now uh, at the manual tasks such as for example processing all the documents information and uh, how this boost of innovation that can uh, open their minds to some more intelligent uh, decisions and works can change our work environment mm -hmm. okay so 2030 um so another eight years out so if i think about where we were i always when i think about the future i always like to think about how fast we've moved in the in the same time frame so we'd be going back to about 2012 and if you think about 2012 for about 99% of the world's population, they had no idea what RPA was. Uh, and IDP was pretty basic OCR. You know, that's where we were eight years ago. If I think about where we are now, we're in, we're in a world where the vast majority of organizations have at least heard of RPA. Many have done something with it. Uh, IDP, I think a lot of organizations have got basic OCR. Um, I see, um, many many more conversations about idp now than what i would have done in the last two three years i think the actual area itself is exploding lots of vendors lots of capability lots of different problems being solved and that's where we are now and if we think about where we will be in another eight years interestingly i think we will see less rpa being talked about it will be just part of something i'd be incredibly surprised um, in fact, we're, we're seeing this already, but I think every IDP product will have RPA embedded by 2030 and every RPA product will have IDP embedded in it. So in theory, these two technologies will be one. Um, uh, and uh, as a result of them both being in combination, they will be both in just about every enterprise, uh, every business um, uh, across the globe. Yeah, we are talking about another eight years and we're talking about two technologies that are already here and already quite prevalent. So I think within eight years, we will continue to see that, that growth. Um, I think the bits that will be different to now will be the complexity of the problems that are being solved. Um, if I think about some of the challenges that I'm fixing now with IDP, things like extracting information from people's medical records, um, from taking out specific tables, bits of text out of large documents, very specific, unique documents, but we can still find the bit of information, the needle in the haystack. 
So if we think about that's what some technologies can do right now, I think we'll continue to see that explode. And so it'll be even more complex documents. In fact, paper will almost be a, a thing of the past. Um, so the, the other thing I think we will see is that it will be less about OCR and it will be more about the intelligence across documents. Um, because you know, if we think about there's a lot of paper around today, I think that will continue to reduce. It will never go away entirely, but I think it will continue to reduce. And therefore, you need less OCR. But it doesn't take away the fact that we still have documents, whether they're electronic, uh, you know, whether it's Word, PDF, you name it, we are still going to have those documents. And so it will be more around what intelligence can we do, can we gather, can we gain uh, from these particular documents? Uh, and then what do we do with it? And that's where the RPA component will come in. So I found this, it now needs to go here. Uh, and so anything and everything to do with um, documents, I think will be, you know, in the main, almost autonomous by 2030. Um, not without human in the loop, which we already have. Um, so there will generally still be people in and around um, because we still have um, a way to go with building ML that has common sense and that will have ex true experience across ex you know, really unique documents. So there will still be some aspects of human in the loop, but I think the vast majority of work around documents, large bodies of text will be completely autonomous with uh, the, the role of, uh, of IDP and, and where it's going. Great. Um, I'm also thinking that, of, of course, this timeline of eight years is quite a lot, uh, especially if taking into account how currently our uh, all solutions and uh, technologies are developing. But uh, in nearest future, I think that for uh, especially IDP solutions and those who has uh, uh, additionally some sort of uh, dashboards and analytics, it's important that we will work not uh, with a document, not in a scheduled basis, but in real time. So we can make decisions in real time. And uh, the faster we uh, can uh, predict something, the, fa uh, the quicker we are on the market. So it can bring a lot of benefits to customers who are using IDP solutions, especially with some RPA who can send directly into third-party system for uh, further uh, processing these uh, documents and uh, information from the documents. And I'm also thinking that um, currently uh, RPA processes, intelligent uh, automated processes, uh, we need to train them, we need to configure them, but maybe we will come to the state when intelligent processes will create another intelligent processes. So I'm still asking myself, so where will be part of the people work, but we, of course, will also be developing the time. Uh, I hope that not uh, in the same speed, uh, uh, in the same speed as technology is developing, but somewhere we will become new humans, more intelligent and with a new uh, responsibilities at work and new interesting and intelligent work. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, we are coming to our second question, which is uh, I read in one report from Big Four Consulting Company something that uh, bots can be teammates, supervisors, or subordinates. So what is your opinion about it? 
do you think that bots, and especially for you as a person who working closely with RPA technology, uh, how do you feel? Are they teammates, supervisors, or subordinates? Mm -hmm. um, interesting that they would bring that out. I would say co-workers in the main. If we think about where the level of intelligence is on these on these bots at the moment, the vast majority of the work that they do would be that of, of, of co-workers. Um, um, and not just co-workers as in somebody sat next to you, but literally somebody that's almost sat on your knee. Uh, and, and that's where we're maneuvering to. So historically, at least when I started, it was very much work was being completed in an area uh, on a server by these bots that you would not have any, you wouldn't see it. Um, we then moved to this world of attended automation where you could see on a monitor um, this work being completed. Potentially it's on your second monitor being done uh, for you. And now we're moving into a way of almost cobots. So we've seen cobots in manufacturing. Um, we're seeing cobots in the world of surgeries uh, and, and healthcare. Um, and, um, and so I think we will continue now to see cobots um, so co-workers, therefore, uh, in the office even more. And so I mentioned before around this, this cyborg, creating cyborgs, the ability to click a button to have something done while you're concentrating on something else, uh, this true ability to be able to multitask. So I, I like to think that I can multitask. The reality is, as a human, you can do more than one thing but you can very rarely ever do two things simultaneously, uh, at least work items. So I couldn't be working on a PowerPoint and transacting with, uh, with a customer. It just doesn't quite work. I could do one and then listen and do something and then go back. Co-workers are co-bots. Yeah, sorry, it's like a quantities and qualities. So the more quantities you take into your timeline, the less quality you bring. And if you focus on quality, then focus just on one task. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Now, it's not that they can't be some supervision by the bots. Um, again, and, and it's probably not just basic RPA, but if I think about things like conversational AI, and I think around the ability to listen to conversations and to provide supervisor type recommendations to a worker again it's not basic rpa it needs something more it is in the intelligent automation space but you can replicate quality checks you can replicate um providing real-time insights in conversations so you you we are maneuvering to a place where um, at least quality checking and that type of aspect of a supervisor's role. I don't think we're in a position where I'm going to take commands from a bot who is making a decision to say, actually, um, I want you to do this piece of work or yeah, you can go for your break early or yeah, you've done really well. Leave the office three hours early today. We're not, we're not, going to see bots supervising us like that, but you know, there's no reason why a bot wouldn't be able to provide us with insights that say, we've checked 100% of your work today, 97% were accurate, and these were the three things that you got wrong. 
that type of supervisory work, uh, we will start to see, I think, more. Because again, check-in work is quite monotonous. It's the type of activity that if you can automate and check 100% of all activities, that is going to increase the quality of output that we all um, generate. It's going to decrease errors that improves service, that improves the customer experience. So we are going to have to get to that point where bots become supervisors, but not because they manage us, but because they are checking the work that we're doing. Um, so they're either replacing or they're managing. So um, regardless of whether we like it or not, bots are going to absolutely be um, co-workers, supervisors. Um, and of course, they are going to be doing work for us as well. So I think bots will certainly become all three of those if they're not already for, for many people. I agree with your point that uh, they can be kind of supervisors, but currently uh, in terms of uh, they can recommend something and can bring insights based on the data, but we still the final decision maker who need to analyze, okay, this is a good recommendation, but we also know all the inputs to the situation and we can currently make wiser decision based on it. So. Uh, supervisors, yes or no, at the same time, like they can recommend, but they can cannot manage us, at least. Great. Okay, so uh, a lot of people currently think that, uh, well, what I will do if uh, robots will come and take my work? And uh, for those who are afraid about robots, about RPA technologies, what would be your recommendations on how to reskill in our days? So the best decision to make right now is to gain new knowledges and to adapt to new realities in the world where we'll have IDP and RPA technologies. Where to start? What to learn? Cool. Well, I think this, uh, I see, uh, to be honest, two or three uh, roles in the future that are going to pop up depending on the type of organization. Um, and I think the skills that are needed. So the world of work, regardless of whether we automate a lot of activity or not, is going to require two things in the future. One, digital literacy. Um, you cannot get away from an ability to work with digital. You, that just is going to be um, fundamental to the future of work. Um, and I think the vast majority of us now like, live and breathe and can interact with a phone as we are, you know, even my nana now, you know, 70, 78 years old, FaceTimes us, right? She's, but put her in the world of work, she would really struggle, but we're, we're getting there. So digital literacy is, is absolutely the number one fundamental, at least for the world of work within the office, white collar, blue collar workers, etc. Um, so that's number one. The second bit is problem solving. The one thing that we, the AI, the automation is not particularly good at at the moment is dealing with edge cases, dealing with those things that are around the edges. They happen so infrequently that we're never going to try and automate them. This is not new, this is not down to, to bots. If I think about the world of software development, um, and I'll go back to my days at O2, um, we would 80% of 
right, 20% of your software development effort would cover 80% of what you want to deliver. And the final 20%, the edge cases, would take around 80% of your effort. And so if you think about that 80-20 rule, we're always going to have these 20%, whether we've automated some work, uh, whether we have developed software, there's always these edge cases. Now, they're more complex. They are going to require some thought. Uh, and they are probably going to require a lot of problem solving. Um, now, they may well require things like empathy uh, and, and other human-based skills. Um, so it's, it's soft skills and it's problem solving as, as key kind of man, mind traits. Um, now, I'm lucky. I've always been a problem solver. Um, I, it's one of the things that's in my nature. I, I can't help. I, I, I never like to leave a problem unsolved. I will find ways of being able to do whatever. Um, that is going to be a key skill in the future. Uh, and as I say, this ability to understand, sympathize, and think outside the box. All of these things are what are going to make human workers still valuable in the future of work, alongside this ability to interact and work alongside digital workers. And so, you know, we have to be digitally literate. We have to um, lean on the fact that the skills that make us still the greatest computational invention the world has ever seen. Because regardless of how good a machine learning algorithm might be on a very small thing, the fact that we can do uh, close to as good across thousands of different things, even just the ability to grip this phone, is an incredibly simple thing for us as people to be able to do and to swing it around and to do all of this. There is, you know, a, a lot of very similar things that, uh, that we do autonomously almost that are very hard to replicate in the world of technology, at least easily without significant uh, computational um, uh, power. So, um, you know, lean on, lean on the fact that we are people, lean on the fact that we do have this ability to problem solve um, and obviously be incredibly digital. They are the skills that we need to ensure that we have in abundance as we are in and entering the world of work. Um, and then I mentioned that there were a couple of roles um, that I, I have seen. So get deep expertise on an area, become a deep expert. Um, so that you are you know, truly valuable in whatever field it is. Um, that's number one. So I, I call that the kind of the expert, you know, be an expert because that is going to make you incredibly valuable. Um, have, uh, again, an ability to be a complete generalist. Have a little bit of knowledge across lots and lots of things. What consultants are generally quite good at. Um, but uh, your ability to turn your hand to multiple different things so that you're not stuck in a single uh, line of work. So the ability to be flexible, um, again, I think is going to be incredibly uh, useful. I call that the generalist. Um, and then the last role, um, and this was kind of in the office again, was the fixer. And the fixer's role is to take all the things that the automations haven't been able to do 
and build out those automations. So we would call them exceptions at the moment. Um, and um, that is still going to be a, you know, that human in the loop, the glue that links these different processes and automations together and continues to improve the linkages between all of these is going to be incredibly important. And again, it's not just a technical role, it's a technical role, it's a process role. Uh, it's also a knowledge role as well. So I know the answer, I know the technology, and I know how to put those two things together in order to get a better outcome moving forward. Um, but outside of that, um, I, I also looked at a McKinsey study um, probably a good 18 months ago now. And if all else fails, the one role that you need to train for is to work in a pub. Apparently, it's the, it's the, the pub landlord is the role that is least likely to be automated in the next 100 years. So if all else fails, guys, just turn to alcohol. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Super great advices, especially I uh, pointed for me this generalist role because I know that um, for us it will be important. Previously, we spent a lot of time to find necessary information. Now, all information is available in Google. Just a few clicks and you can find whatever you would like. Then uh, to process this, uh, lots of manual documents that we have. Now, uh, everything will be digital and uh, it's available. For us, it's important just to gain knowledges in different industries and uh, uh, apply these knowledges to create something new and intelligent, intelligent decisions based on the data that we will have. And at the same time, it's important to be problem solver. Uh, I like this, this your point as well, because um, when you have all the information, when the errors, issues, they are just uh, on the top, uh, and you need to make decisions on how to resolve them. So probably it's the most important, one of the most important thing, uh, skills that uh, will require for us in the future. And interesting, this role fixer. Uh, I'm thinking that, uh, yes, every ML process has their own anomalies and also some exceptions. It's important to have someone who will be able to fix and, uh, let's say, retrain uh, this uh, result, these results of uh, machine learning algorithms. So these are people will still uh, be on required on the market. Cool. Okay. Then uh, next question is um, about um, IDP and RPA solutions that are required human in the loop. I know that we touched it a few times already. That uh, uh, RPA, they are more for us co-workers right now, and uh, every process still required review and approval, verification, validation by the end user just to retrain the model on the right, uh, correct results. So where are the benefits? If it's still required to have human in the loop, so we will not probably at the first uh, wave reduce uh, number of um, employees. <laughs> so... Uh, where is the benefits? We need to invest in these solutions and um, how we can get more from them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think the, the notion of straight through processing when we're dealing with complex documents uh, is uh, a marketer's dream or it's a marketing dream versus a business unreality. And what I mean by that is um, having human in the loop is both a safeguard and also 
it's a tiny detractor from the amount of value that IDP can bring. Um, I, I've looked at numerous processes over the, over the years, and if you can remove 85% of the effort, um, and even though your straight through processing is quite small, that's not an issue. You've removed 85% of the, of the effort, uh, and that is what you should be concentrating on. RPA does not do straight through processing on the vast majority of the work that it does. There is a level of exception that can range from anywhere from, you know, three to 30%, depending on the process that you are dealing with. Yet we don't talk about the lack of straight through processing with RPA. We talk about the amount of hours given back to the business. IDP is in exactly the same place. Um, and, and to be honest, if I got 85% of the hours back to the business across any IDP process, I would be incredibly pleased. The fact that I have to double check whether it's a zero or an O or it's a one or a seven or whether I have correctly categorized this currency correct is of a minor insignificance to the fact that the vast majority of this copy paste monotonous work extraction finding bits of information has been done for me. And I'm confident enough to say that a, a large chunk of that has gone through straight through. And the fact that, you know, one, you know, I might have to check a couple of characters on the document versus spend 30 minutes on it. Listen, as a worker, I'm happy. The work's been done for me. I can do something with the information now. Um, you know, the vast majority of reasons why we look at a document is not to look at a document for fun. We look at a document because we want something from it. If I can get that thing from it and present it to me, so I don't even have to look at the document anymore, I as a worker will be pleased and my supervisor will be pleased because it happened in 3.7 seconds, not 32 minutes. The fact that I still had to look at it for 3.7 seconds is not an issue in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, human in the loop, at the end of the day, we are, it, we're, if we're dealing with documents, there is always going to be uh, an amount of error, especially when dealing with paper or have historically had to deal with paper. And um, potentially as we start to deal with more electronic documents, we might see less uh, human in the loop from an extraction quality perspective, but still why, uh, I, I, and I mentioned this before, going all the way back to 2030, you know, that human in the loop is still going to be there do not see it as a negative, see it as your safeguard, see it as a positive, um, because you have got a, 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 a stake in the ground that says, I know that the quality is good because I've checked it. Um, and there is very little work that gets done in the world that doesn't get checked by someone at some point. So why would we think that IDP does not need some kind of, of check? Um, and as I say, if you can get those high levels of extraction in place and alleviate the vast majority of the effort, and all you're left with is a, is a, is a check, <laughs> be thankful, be pleased, and claim that saving that you have made uh, and, um, and stop getting hung up on the fact that something is not entirely straight through.
Right. You are right about that. We are looking at the document because we want to see something in the document information that we will make decision with. But anyway, we'll take a look into this document and this small time that we need to adjust document, if to compare with whole time that we manually extract this information. And if we will multiply it number of documents, let's say like 100 documents per day, it's a huge save of time. So. I see that IDP solutions and RPA, they uh, increase our productivity because they provide us input that we just need to process with our intelligence. And the last statement that I would like to discuss with you, it's uh, I heard that yes, AI technology, they can increase in short time productivity, but can decrease engagement in the long run. So what do you think about this statement? Um, I think it comes down to, so increased productivity, but decreased long-term engagement. I think that's almost the exact opposite of what, um, the marketeers would actually have us believe. Now, funnily enough, I was out running, uh, yesterday and I was thinking of this exact same question. Um, and I was thinking we keep, and this is me included, keep saying, we're removing the mundane work and we're leaving all the interesting stuff. We're making people's jobs better. And actually, I don't know. I've never asked somebody whether they think that we are. So I think it's an interesting question. Um, I, if I believe the hype, then I would say that yes, um, we are creating more interesting work and therefore we are not uh disengaging people now that's if i believe the hype the reality is i think we all like variation um and 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 everyone's different right i'm a problem solver by nature so if all i had to do was investigate problems and i had information i could do i knew where to go to get particular answers and i could help somebody i would get a lot of value out of that role now that's fine however the flip side of that is if I want to really help somebody, my role is now complex because all the simple stuff's been removed, but I can't find people to help me help the customer. I am going to be more disengaged. So I think what we really need to be mindful of, and I think this whole work from home thing has brought this to light a little bit as well is, you know, there's always a consequence to change. Now, ordinarily we'd like to think it's positive, but there's always a knock on effect somewhere. So, and I, and I, um, I again, I, I heard this on a podcast the other day that, you know, change is a bit like a pendulum. Like we swing it one way and then something reverberates and swings back. And, you know, change is a pendulum, right? Change is very rarely one way without some kind of reverberation. And so I, I think it's a really interesting point that I think over the next kind of 18, 24 months, we're going to talk about a lot more. Because we can't just change the way people work without thinking about the, the consequences. So removing the mundane, great. Everything's more complex, okay. Do you have the knowledge to be able to answer those complex things? Um, no, maybe we don't. Do you have the knowledge to be able to find the answers to those things? Maybe not. How have you done it in the past? Raise my hand, ask my supervisor, can you help me with this? Are well, you working from home now? 
Okay, what do I do now? Okay, we'll go on Teams. I've got a customer on the phone. Okay, so you can see that the, the idea of removing the complex and only leave, sorry, removing the simple and leaving the complex, on the face of it, it sounds like, well, we're going to make everyone's jobs really interesting. You're probably going to make everyone's jobs really, really hard. And unless you're truly supporting them, and that's why things like cobots, IEP, and other things where the information is given, unless we do that, unless we truly change the way that we work holistically, you know, by ensuring that answers can be given in real time, that we've got people listening to the to the contacts, that the support is there. Unless we are able to also provide all of that, I think the point could well be right that you could become disengaged because we're not helping you deal with your more complex job. So I think it's a really interesting point. It's something I've been pondering now for a little while. I don't know whether we will see the, um, the data around this, but I know that there's a number of studies ongoing at the moment around work from home and what's changed, what's stayed. Uh, and what do we need to do differently if this is going to be a thing um, moving forward for everyone? So I think I think we're going to see over the next couple of years some really interesting data around this. And uh, maybe we should revisit this question in a couple of years and see what actually happened and whether or not people did become incredibly disengaged uh, or whether they embraced technology because you know, we'd... we'd we'd figured out how to um, balance the pendulum with additional support. It's nice that you mentioned here these pedals, and it's also brings to my mind our experience with uh, switch to remote work. At the start, it was, for consultants especially, felt like uh, disengagement from the customer side, because now we are remote, we can turn on our turn off our camera and do other, us, uh, other stuff like multitasking at the same time, and uh, be not engaged in the decision making about the conversation about the future solution for so on. But then we started to bring into these workshops and conversation new tools such as Mira, Mural and for so on. And by this, we increased this uh, engagement. And the uh, new reality started for us as a normal. And uh, by this, it, like uh, every changes should bring sequence of changes just to adapt to the new situation. But it doesn't mean the situation is wrong or getting worse. It just we should change at the same time with the situation. Mm -hmm. I agree. Super. It was very insightful talk uh, with you today. Thank you so much for it. And before we end, I have one more personal question to you. So as a person who are so um, uh, interesting about all this stuff as intelligent automation, RPA, and for so on, do you have any favorite, uh, let's say, application or devices that you are using based on intelligent automation or AI technologies? Can you recommend something? Um. So I'll I'll I'll, um, I'll think about my um, home life first. Um, robotic vacuum cleaner. That is a huge, uh, certainly for my wife at least. Um, we have a sharp robot vacuum cleaner that uh, is obviously it uses lidar, it uses AI, 
uh, and is incredibly great. So from a home automation perspective, the robot vacuum is just an absolute game changer. From a work uh, perspective, if I think about different technologies, um, me personally, my, my work is problem solving all of the time. So AI is not helping me that much. Uh, a lot of the work I do is quite creative. So it's not helping me that much. Um, but if I, uh, but I think I have a way that it, that it can, and I don't know whether you've seen it. This is how uh, three, three days ago, four days ago, OpenAI released, uh, released their uh, chat um, GPT-3 uh, chat capability. Um, and that is an absolute game changer for me. If you just, if you go to it, um, I think it's open, uh, open, open.ai and uh, check that out um, you can literally chat with uh, with GPT-3 um, I, uh, I released a post the other day uh, where I asked, because I thought it was so good I asked OpenAI to write an obituary for Google because I believe that um, this capability is the next wave of search and honestly I couldn't have written it better myself in, in 2.6 seconds, it came back with a huge paragraph. And there's loads of examples of this, more, more on Twitter um, than, um, than on LinkedIn, I'd seen. But the creative writing of this, um, I think, is um, just an absolute game changer. And I'm starting to see generative AI be used across lots of different user cases. Um, and so I think that for me is where, you know, it, it, it's the creative side of AI. So that's what's helping me in my work or will help me in my work. Um, and then if I think about the, the wider world of work, I still think IDP, RPA, and, and RPA in all its forms, uh, and conversational AI are the three main uh, technologies uh, that are going to transform the world of work in the main. Uh, and, and those three technologies used in combination uh, are what are going to drive significant value to the enterprise. So a little bit about the, the home with the robot vacuum, um, the GPT-3 uh, chat capability, just for something that is mind-blowingly great right now. Uh, and then actually in the world of work, uh, RPA, IDP, and conversational AI in combination. When you get those three in combination, uh, you really are transforming the way that way uh, the work is working right now. Cool. I only heard about GPT three previous version when you was uh, was able with uh, this technology to write LinkedIn post, for example, or generate some um, sentences. And it's something that you bring brought right now new for me. So thank you for this information. It was also interesting. And Wayne, I would like to thank you for being with us today. Thank you for listening and. Uh, See you in the next episode. Excellent. Well, thank you for having me and um, thank you uh, for listening, everybody.